Happy Friday, everyone. I want to talk to you about the difference between performance and success based on examples from two books that I recently read that I highly recommend. The Formula by Albert Laszlo Parabashi and Presence by Amy Cuddy. Both of them are well-known experts in their fields. Barabashi in Network Science Research, visiting professor at Harvard and Notre Dame, Notre Dame, if you like. And Amy Cuddy, social psychologist, professor at Harvard Business School. Performance, according to Barabashi, is something that you do, something that you're good in, that is hard to measure. Whereas success is something that others recognize you to be an expert in. What are some of the examples of those people who become recognized and others who are high performers yet are not very well known to the world? Well, von Richthofen was a German fighter pilot who was known as the Red Baron in World War I. He shot down many planes, in fact, many more than anyone else. He made it into the record books. Shot down 80 planes. But he was fatally shot, ultimately, himself. Apparently, there was a French fighter pilot as well in World War I who claimed to have shot down 127 planes and was never shot down himself. He had survived as a fighter pilot. The research says that that number is close to 127, but it's definitely more than the 80 by the Red Baron. Yet, Red Baron has made it onto the frozen pizza boxes that you see in the nearest supermarkets. He's well recognized. Whereas no one really knows about this French pilot. Funk. F-O-N-C-K is his last name. Another example is graffiti artists Al Diaz and Jean-Michel Basquiat. They were celebrated as a group in the 1970s, pretty well known, and they had drawn many different graffiti art pieces and during that time. Well, after a certain period of time, they broke up as a team. They used to sign as the team name that they had, S-A-M-O. Well, afterwards, Jean-Michel Basquiat made important relationships, friendships, and started to display his own works in the very recognized and well-known galleries. And as a result, ultimately, he sold what was at the time the most expensive piece of artwork for $110 million. Whereas Al Diaz is continuing to work as an artist that's marginally known. Yet many of you, as you listen to this video, probably have heard at least the last name, Basquiat. Apparently, as we understand, based on 
our need to be on social media, on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and other for, uh, formats, networking, and not just virtual networking, but meaningful, real, live relationships really underline the difference between success and performance. Performance has bounds, meaning that it has limits, whereas success does not. That's the second concept that we have to understand, which may explain why so many of us strive for success to such extent. And he explains again why that is. See, those highest performers are difficult to distinguish among each other once they reach a certain point. For example, Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt is the fastest man alive. But the difference from how fast he runs 100 meters and the next person are hundreds of seconds or tenths of a second at best. So too, most people, once they become a high performer, they're really difficult to measure in terms of their performance by the naked eye. You often need tools or cameras to distinguish the difference, right? With a photo finish that's, needing, that's needed to sometimes determine a gold medal versus a silver medal. So too, when you interview for important positions where the pool of candidates is large and it's full of high performers, you need to distinguish yourself in some other methods than performance on your resume. How does that translate into team performance versus team success? According to Barabashi, the two are also not equal. If you want to have a high-performing team, then you're going to hire the people who are graduates of Harvard, who have the best resumes on paper, as we all know. However, the research that he has done has shown that team success depends on having collaboration more than competition for performance on your teams. Team success depends on one strong leader who's going to do most of that heavy lifting but who's going to stimulate others to collaborate, to contribute, to be part of a dialogue. And as a result, success unlike performance, has no bounds, has no upper bounds. Success is limitless. And he provides more examples to point that out. His own book, The Formula, when it came out, it had surpassed the expectation for what would be a number one New York Times bestseller. And just to give you an idea perspective, in order to be a New York Times bestseller, to make it to that list, you have to sell about 3,000 to 5,000 copies a week. 
usually those that are number one on that list sell about a hundred thousand. Well, he sold three hundred thousand in his in his first week, but he was surpassed by two other books that had sold a million and a million two hundred thousand, which means that success and growth because of relationships, because of collaboration, has no limit. I think these are very important examples to understand when we design metrics that are transformational in 2020 and beyond. Metrics and processes and systems have to be designed in order to measure not performance, but in order to measure success, which is synonymous, as Barabashi defines it, to growth in 2020, as I define it. Growth has no limit. And you reach growth through success, through collaboration. In a growth mindset, transformational organization. Now I'll talk a little bit about Presence by Amy Cuddy. Presence, it turns out, is not the same thing as charisma, which is what we think. There are certain people who take up more space, which is important. It's part of the presence, or who are louder than others, right? But that's not the complete picture of presence. Presence is actually being your authentic self and communicating who you are consistently during times of stress, high stress, at high stakes, during emotional, courageous, difficult conversations, interviews, pitches, presentations. She makes some great points in her book. By saying that what you need to do is not to impress others during these times, but to think about impressing yourself. If you are in an interview or in a presentation and you're constantly thinking, what does this other person think about me now? What about now? Oh, I think that this interview is not going well. I think I just forgot this one point that I wanted to make. And you just blank, you know, out and you just, you know... You, you, you can't come up with the next sentence and take a breath, take a pause, then you really are not communicating all that valuable information that you know you have mastered, that you know is going to be valuable and helpful to others in that moment. That's not having presence. Not having presence means not having power in that moment. And she cites Robert Caro, who says, power does not corrupt. Power reveals. What that means is that if you're able to show who you are, to reveal yourself to the other person, to reveal very accurately and consistently in a way that your verbal communication flows with your nonverbal communication and is consistent, then you're able to display who you are so that 
the other person, the audience, doesn't really have questions afterwards about what you really have to offer or who you really are and doesn't consider you a an imposter or a liar or something like to that extent so it's really important to understand to have a sense of comfort to, because it will help you ultimately not just perform but be successful like Barabashi suggests so integrating the the concepts of the two books together I will bring out one more example from Amy Cuddy's book in which she studied a hundred different high-performing presentations they were all on, a, on about the same level they were strong presentations full of great valuable information specific examples and applications and they were delivered to venture capitalists who would decide whether or not to invest in these solutions or proposals and it turned out that it was presence as you may have guessed and may know it was presence that really distinguished those who received the funding versus those who didn't. Presence is power. It can increase your success. It can help you increase your reach. What are some applications that you can consider? Well, Amy Cuddy provides one and she calls it self-nudging speaking to yourself affirming to yourself who you really are and reframing that stressful situation into excitement because when you're nervous it's a sense of arousal but there is a spectrum of that high arousal state so the line is very gray it's very thin between being anxious and being excited. So if you have prepared and mastered this one particular presentation, and you have a large audience, and you, you know it, you know that it's important, you know it's relevant, instead of considering yourself as being nervous, just tell yourself that you're excited. Look, this is an unprecedented speech or presentation that people haven't heard before or they could really benefit from so why be nervous be excited about it if you can nudge yourself is how she calls it you're able to really have a stronger presence one other experiment that Barabashi mentions is a very complex one but it took place in a music lab in New York with 10,000 different students who listened to different pieces of music of varying quality at different times, different chronological order. And of course, their assessments of the music varied, but once they grouped those that were best quality, most frequently downloaded towards the end, 
it was those that were chosen as the best by the students. So final impressions matter. And one suggestion he makes, which you can argue about, you can customize to your situation, is that once you interview for a position, find out accurately the day that that decision is going to be made exactly as accurately as you can and do your best to be one of the last to be interviewed not one of the first the reason why he says that is a very important practice is because of an, another example that he provides of a very very prestigious classical music competition in Belgium, Queen Elizabeth's competition, in which all classical musicians hope to have a chance to enter. Hundreds enter, and only 12 make it to that final competition. The judges are the best experts in the field, piano and violin players. They're given one original piece of music that they've never heard before, that they have to learn, and they have six days, six consecutive days, over which each one of those 12 highest performing musicians plays those songs to that audience. Once the jury decides, they decide only the top performer. And they have six days. Most of the time, most of the time, they take about five days in order to determine the winner. High performers are difficult to distinguish. And usually, it takes stamina and final impressions. So, whether or not you know if you're going to be the last one to be considered for your pitch, for your presentation, for your interview, don't just think about the first impressions that you make, those first 12 words that always people remember the best, but also your last closing words as well. Those are some of my thoughts. If you have read the formula or if you have read Presence, I look forward to your comments and uh, I wish you a great weekend ahead. All the best.